Salo for Lava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suiswiki. Coming up. Again, this is wistful thinking. Wistful thinking and big political talk. Election campaigning heats up in Solomon Islands. Also, it's time to uh, lay down their arms and negotiate peace. Mediation is underway between warring tribes and PNG's highlands. And later, Facebook scam pages are taking advantage of Fa'anana Efiso Collins' funeral. Solomon Islands caretaker Prime Minister Manasi Sogavari has taken a shot at the election promises of his political rivals on the campaign trail. The leaders of the Democratic and Democratic Alliance parties have formed a pre-election coalition criticising the caretaker government's track record and promising to scrap its policies. Kroy Hawkins reports. One of these promises was to reverse a recent pay rise given to all MPs and boost public servants' salaries by 15%. In response, Manasseh Songovari rubbished the promises while speaking at an all-party campaign rally in the Western Province. Again, this is wistful thinking. Wistful thinking and big political talk that defies reality of the country's ability for him to deliver will take years for the uh, country for him to recover from. Likewise, the November 2021 riot, and create him a huge revenue hole. The rival leader of the pre-election coalition grouping, Matthew Wale, has also accused the caretaker government of being swayed by foreign interests. But Mr. Songovari claims his focus is on national interests. And we'll do everything within the law and our national development strategies and structure of government system, Bloyumi, to ensure that the country remains united. We are a political party that will not allow the narrow geopolitical interest of foreign superpowers for dividing Yumi. The country's joint national and provincial elections are scheduled to take place on the 17th of April. Nominations for election candidates opened on Tuesday last week and will close next week on the 6th of March. A community leader in Papua New Guinea's Inga province, Wapenamanda, says mediation is underway between the warring factions in the remote highlands in an effort to prevent further violence. Dozens of men, including children, were killed on February 18th in what has been described as the worst massacre in recent history. Aguila Kunza says revenge killings have been ongoing for at least five years and there's no sign of gunmen stopping anytime soon. He's housing women and children who fled the violence and says a community-led approach is needed. He spoke with Lydia Lewis from a community gathering in Wabag, the main town of Inga. People are gathered in front of the police station and uh, the uh, town. Why is everyone gathered in front of the police station? These are the people that have gathered today at the police station to discuss uh, and negotiate peace amongst the uh, warring tribesmen. How many people approximately are there? It's a quite countless number of uh, people that have gathered today. What are they calling for? I can hear people speaking in the background. What are they saying? The people are talking about... Uh, the peace uh, negotiation. Uh, I could not hear you, so I have to uh, come to the police station. Uh, yeah, the policeman here, Nikaki. 
Can I yes. ask him a few questions? Oh, I can see you. What are people outside the police station calling for? Yeah, a lot of people died, so that's why that come midway that you know come to police station and then solve the problem. Yes. Inspector, how many bodies have been recovered so far? Uh, Sixty-three, he says. A lot of people died in ten days. What are, What are police doing now to help ease tensions? Oh. The policemen are facilitating and uh, meditating the uh, the uh, case. They're doing peace mediation, and they are listening to the uh, the peace mediation process is uh, to listen to both sides, and they contribute their ideas. They want to, uh, you know, they suggest some way forward how they want to uh, come to uh, peace. So. The policemen are just standing, you know, big numbers. They are around. They are make sure the security is uh, provided so that the people will talk freely and express themselves and they will come to a, a, to a, a peaceful solution. What is it like being a policeman in such a volatile area? Are there enough police resources? Well, uh, as has been a case in the past the uh, policemen have been uh, outnumbered uh, they have been uh, ill resourced in terms of weapons and because this tribal warfare they they engage themselves so it you know latest uh, very high powered uh, guns machines so these policemen uh, the uh, issue the government issue uh, the guns and ammunition and uh, these resources uh, they are helpless uh, in this uh, tribal fight because, you know, they they fear for their lives. They are human beings. You know, these very high-powered guns, they can shoot at long range. Can I hear from the policemen that are standing there? Uh, today, is... today is a little bit okay. Okay. When the, our, our government, PNC, uh, they talk about the issues and... Uh, too, too many army defense forces and uh, some police forces, special forces, uh, special forces, they arrived uh, day before yesterday. Today, still they are here. Uh, still, the fight is going down, and uh, our gov- government is still on our side to you know, solve the problems. But because the weapons they are using is uh, they are getting from Indonesia, Indonesia, something like that, I have four weapons. And uh, we, our police, we are very finding out to do sitting in the middle and solve the problem. Many people they think that uh, when the government uh, deploys the army and the police to try to stop the fight, as we have experienced in the last uh, two years, police and army they when they used up all the resources and they go back for uh, for they return and the uh, fight <coughs> escalates or it comes on again intermittently the best uh, is uh the people they are they have come to the the point of uh, negotiating peace uh, one of the uh, women she has been observing because She's one of them who was affected by the tribal fight. Can I ask her a few questions? 
she's from uh, the the Ben Town village of Quimanda, just near the uh, Catholic Church uh, of Pomo Catholic Church. And she has traveled uh, a long distance. She has she fled for her life, and she is now in Warwick, Warwick Terremanda. This is Warwick Town. We are staying. She is living with a, a tribe called the Key Tribe at uh, Terremanda. Mm. I am asking here, uh, what is your view and opinion? Uh, do you want to let the fight go on, or uh, where you are staying is good and you want to stay, or you want to return? And she said, no, she wants the fight to stop immediately so that she can go back to her garden and uh, she wants to go and continue life in her village. So she wants the fight to stop. Has any of her family yeah. members died? Is she grieving? There are many died, many died, and they will be uh, missing in the village. Houses were burnt down, and the, their gardens and uh, uh, no, the land will be vacant. Many died. <coughs> Some leftover will go, and then those villages where used to be their houses, they will remain. Uh, she has seven children, and uh, when they stop, she's preparing to go back to the Ben Down village. What is her message to the men with guns, the fighters? She is not allowed to express hope because she's a woman, you know. These things, uh, they women have no, uh, no standing. They cannot contribute any constructive idea. Women are women in uh, this society. Men, they have, uh, you know, you can see that number of men out there so every concern is that the fighting must stop. That is all. She's praying for you. Okay. How long did she have to walk to get to safety? How, how far was the journey? 20 hours walk. A cabinet minister in Bougainville is calling for mining giant Rio Tinto to set concrete commitments for remediation and clean-up of the Panguna mine. Rio Tinto was the owner-operator of one of the world's largest copper and gold mines, which has lain derelict for more than 30 years. Periods of heavy rain leads to rivers being choked with mine tailings waste and reports of compromised eater supplies and food crops. Tiana Haxton spoke to Theonela Ruka-Matbolb, the Minister for Community Government. Matabob is the elected member for Ayoro, the district that encompasses the Panguna mine. Born just a year after it was forced shut in 1989, she has been dealing with the environmental and societal impacts of the mine and civil war her entire life. After completing her university studies, Matabob decided it was time to advocate for the human rights of her people. You know, we cannot keep accepting that what we're living on, which is the tailings, is something that is normal and it's natural. I come from a tribe that completely lost the land. She worked with the Australian Human Rights Law Centre to file an official complaint, which has led to Rio Tinto funding an independent environmental and human rights impact assessment. Matbob says it's the first step in the right direction, but more needs to be done. 
there is still no concrete commitment to say we will remediate, we will clean up. It causes a lot of anxiety, especially when people are expecting to know what is it that a company is going to do. Over a billion tonnes of waste tailings were released directly into nearby rivers during the operation of the Panguna mine between 1972 and 1989. The human rights complaint alleged that the massive volume of mine waste pollution is ongoing, putting people's lives and livelihoods at risk. Every single day, this arable land area has been covered by the collapsing sandbags. As we speak, there are families that are continuously moving, but no one wants to talk about this as a violation against people and the environment itself. The minister says this problem was not caused by her people and Rio Tinto needs to rectify their actions. Rio Tinto coming onto the round table, making some real concrete commitments will only heal the people. And when it heals the people, it's a win-win situation for companies' reputation and my future generation as well. Matbob has been advocating for this for almost a decade. She says she will continue to put pressure on the company to make a commitment for the betterment of the people of Bougainville. That was Tiana Hexton with that story. Meanwhile, earlier this month, the autonomous Bougainville government granted a five-year extension license to mining company Bougainville Copper Limited for its exploration of the Panguna mine. President Ishmael Toruama said Panguna is a high-impact project for Bougainville and that issuing the license paves the way for the region's redevelopment. While New Zealand's Pacifica community prepares to farewell politician Fa'anana Efeso Collins, there's been a host of Facebook scam pages claiming to livestream his funeral, and unfortunately a number of people have already fallen prey. Auckland councillor and longtime friend of Fa'anana, Josephine Bartley, joins me to shed light on this, but I began by asking her how the family is coping so far. The family are showing so much strength, uh, and are so gracious and so kind and so grateful for the outpouring of love that they have been receiving at the passing of uh, Fatnana. So we, we've just come from there now with our council delegation. At the moment, um, Efiso is lying in state in Onehanga. What's the atmosphere been like over there? Judging from the pictures, it seems like a lot of people have come through to pay their respects. So many people uh, and so many people will continue to come. I think it's just a steady traffic of people in and out uh, right up until uh, the service on Thursday. Can you talk to me about the types of people that have come through to visit Efeso? There's been, uh, of course, there are all the organisations. 274 is coming through loud and clear. Uh, so many organisations from his beloved Ōtara are representing his old school, Tangaroa, his university mates and colleagues, uh, us, Auckland Council, uh, the Labour Party. We've seen some National Party people there, some Green Party. Um, and then, you know, people who uh, just want to come and, and pay their respects. Today there was a, a, a group of people, just Onehanga residents, that wanted to come down. Uh, you know, they walked down and they just wanted to come and res- pay their respects. And that was, it's just awesome. Yeah, and it goes to show, like, 
the many lives that he had impacted, right? Yeah, so many. And the tributes on Facebook, you know, as far as the, the rugby in the league and all these organisations paying tribute, it's, it's really... Um, really uh, humbling to see the impact he had, just one human being and just the wide-reaching impact he's had. Absolutely. What do you know of the preparations for his funeral that's taking place this Thursday? I think for a lot of us or our generation, this will probably be the closest thing to a state funeral that we're going to see because of the magnitude of the impact he had uh, on all the communities. So it is going to be massive. That's my uh, understanding from um, Taito and, and Harry that have been close there supporting the family. Now you've just spoken about this unfortunately, but can you share what's also emerged in the lead up to Ephesus' funeral? Um, yeah, it's it's actually pretty sick how the scams the scams are, are coming through really fast. You know, um, you, you delete one friend request that's come through under Ephesus' name, or the friend requests will be coming through as Tangihana, live stream, Fatnana, funeral, green party, parliamentary, live stream. All of these friend requests are coming through. And for our people, they want to watch the live stream, but they... They believe these friend requests, they accept it. And then once they accept it, they're asked for a dollar. And so they give their bank accounts and then they, you know, their mo- the money gets taken out of their account. So we've already had one of our Samoan ministers um, get, uh, ha- had money taken from his bank account. And um, now the worry is that more people are going to be falling for this because they, they want to connect with Efeso and they want to see the funeral. But they need to understand the only place you can watch the live stream is to go through the Tippany's Funeral Facebook page. And now you've got these fake Tippany Funeral Facebook pages going up. Do you know if the scamming has been reported to the police? Uh, gosh, it's, it's so sad to prey on a community that's collectively grieving. And there's... There's, I'd say there's probably hundreds of fake pages and fake friend requests going out. Uh, what, what I've been saying to people is uh, report it to Facebook. But surely Facebook itself can see that there's this activity happening in New Zealand, you know, on the New Zealand Facebook, whatever, pages. Can't they shut it down on their end? You know, um, because there's so many. Once you report and block, then there's another one come up. It's just, it's, and, and people are getting sucked in. And I screenshot my friends that had fallen for it and accepted the friend of light. And these people are, you know, uh, professionals, they're smart, they're former MPs, and even they fell for it. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Josephine, for your time. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, just, uh, just, from me on the outside watching uh, just a big thank you to everyone for you know what they're doing and coming through and supporting the family and showing their love for Fatnana. it's beautiful I hope we can carry on like this because that's what he would want to see everybody coming together
and um, trying to support the family. So I hope it continues. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rndi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, to Fasui Fua.